Good morning, Living Hope family and friends. So glad you are here this morning. Whether you're tuning in online now, watching later on Facebook, or maybe even listening to our podcast, we are so glad you are here today. Uh, I also want to acknowledge the fact we are not broadcasting from a laptop today. Praise Jesus. Uh, If I wasn't a Baptist, I'd probably take a lap right now. But I am so thankful that we got all that fixed and we are back to normal. Hey, let me remind you of this truth that I say every week. Every week, and I think this is important. The gospel is resilient. The word of God cannot be stopped. And the local church is alive and well during these trying times. My name is Aaron. I serve as the teaching pastor here at Living Hope Columbus. And again, we're glad you're here. Open your Bible with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 is where we'll be today. Uh, But before we get into God's word, uh, we asked earlier this week via social media and then also a couple times over email uh, for some of you to send us videos of you, uh, just a short little word to our church family that although we can't be gathered right now, we're temporarily scattered and we received several of those videos. So what we decided to do was to take these videos and spread them out over a few weeks. And so if you sent me a video, uh, you might be in this today. You might not. That's totally okay. But really, our goal with this was to encourage you a little bit. As we're in this book of Philippians, where really the central theme, central message is on joy, we wanted to just take this brief moment every week, about 90 seconds, and bring you a little joy by hearing some familiar voices and by seeing some familiar faces. Because even though we're scattered, we're still family. But here's what I learned before we play this video. Um, We have some absolute goofballs in this church. Some of y'all put some weird filters on your videos. Some of you dressed up for these videos. I'm not talking like nice, like church clothes or something. I'm just like, you dress like weirdos for this church. And I love it because that means that you've watched all the videos that Pastor Joe and I have put out these last two years. And so I'm so thankful for that. So uh, I hope you enjoy this video. Just a little We Miss You video project from some families in our church. Let's go ahead and cue that up. Hey, Living Hope. Just wanted to say from the Bennett's that we, we miss, miss you. Hello, it's us. The Youngs. We, we miss, miss you, Living Hope. Hey, Living Hope Church kids. Just want to let you know. Love you guys. Miss you. Oh, and the parents, too. Miss you guys. And I can't wait to see you again. Miss you. Hi, Living Hope Columbus. Matt and Alina here. Following strict CDC guidelines. And just want to let you know we're going to try to get this over with as soon as we can. And to get back to loved ones and good friends like you guys, we miss you very much. I hope everyone's doing well. As you can see, we need haircuts pretty badly. But uh, we hope everyone's doing fine. We love you. God bless and have a great day. See you soon. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ from Living Hope Church. We miss you guys an awful lot. It's been a while since we've seen you. So most of you know that we go and spend our winter months in Florida. So for us, we haven't seen a lot of you most of you, um, all of you, since uh, about the middle of January. So it's been really long for us, and we really, really do miss all of you. Can't wait to see and be together again. Be safe, be healthy. Lord willing, we'll see you later. Bye. Hi, Living Hope. We miss you. I hope you have a great day. Bye. Hey, Living Hope. It's the Bennett family here. Shelby. Peyton. And... We miss you guys so much. Bye. Bye. 
So what we've learned is we have some people that are just adorable and some people in our church that are, you're just odd. And so we are a family, miss you all. If you didn't get to send us a video yet, send that to us this week and we're gonna play those over these next couple weeks. Just hope that brought a smile to your face and a little bit of joy. Philippians chapter one is where we're gonna be this morning in this series that we've called Joyful. And this is the second part of kind of a mini-series uh, that we're calling Stir Crazy, where we're looking at these first or these last section of Philippians 1 and uh, just really talking through this idea of prayers that I've been praying for you specifically as your pastor. So if you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's Word, Philippians chapter 1, whether you are in your living room, if you're at work, if you're driving, don't stand, it's dangerous. But wherever you are, stand with me in honor of reading God's Word, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and God's Word says, this. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks again for this day, this privilege, this opportunity that we have to gather as your church. Father, although we are not in one location, God, we are currently scattered all over the place. Father, we are thankful that the local church is alive and well. And Jesus, I pray this morning as we dive into these three verses in your word, that your spirit would be among us wherever we are today. Father, teach us from your word. Draw us close to Jesus. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive your word, and hands and feet to live out our relationship with Jesus like we never have before. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Again, we're in this little mini-series within a series that we've entitled Stir Crazy. And I want to share with you this morning four more prayers that I've been praying for you if you are part of the Living Hope Columbus family. But before we get there, I just want to let you know that even in the midst of everything that we're, we're going through and as I'm praying for you and so many shifting things in our culture and our society and in our church right now, that I am still very encouraged by what Jesus is doing in us, around us, and through us right now. I'm encouraged really by three things, and I want to share these with you this morning just to, to let you know what's on my heart. First thing I'm very encouraged by is this, is that heaven is not caught off guard by what we are going through right now. Friends, Jesus ain't worried about this, therefore neither am I. And I hope that you remember that. Heaven at no point over the last eight weeks has had to call an emergency meeting going, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to the church Ephesians 2 says that the local church is the avenue through which the hope of Jesus is going to get to the world. Therefore, I'm not worried. Jesus will build his church according to Matthew 16. So we're good. Here's the second thing I'm encouraged by. Right now, I believe Jesus is moving in and through his church, specifically Living Hope Columbus, more than ever right now. Here's why. Y'all, we have people in our congregation that have started prayer meetings in their secular workplace... We have people that have been accepted into seminaries, have taken internships, and are moving all around the country. Those that are now part of mission colleges, those who are sharing their faith for the first time ever over social media right now, those who are giving of their finances to other families within our church to make sure that nobody goes without food, that everybody's mortgage and rent payments are paid right now. We have people loving and serving their neighbors more than ever before. And I could go on and on and on. Listen, 
while we may miss the, the physical gathering that is Living Hope Columbus, we are more engaged in the mission field than ever before as a church. You hear that? We are more engaged in the mission field than ever as a church. If you're in your living room right now, like feel free to clap, say amen, even if it's just you and your wife. Like that's, that's something to celebrate right now. Here's my last thing. About 12 years ago, I was walking down a country road in Lancaster, Ohio with my friend Steve. And God put this dream on my heart to start a church 12 years ago. Three years ago, this dream started to materialize in my living room, and now it has become what is Living Hope Columbus today. But do you know what encourages, encourages me the most in this season? Is how much so many people love this church. How I hear daily how much people miss this, this family that God has built called Living Hope Columbus. How much people are sacrificing for this family called Living Hope Columbus. And, and God allows me to continue to, to lead this thing. And Jesus is building his church. Friends, sign me up for a hundred more years of this. I am so encouraged right now. Let's get into our passage for today. Last week I shared with you four prayers that I've been praying for you. If you're part of this family, praying for you over this season as your pastor, and I will continue to do so. Those four prayers were this. I've been praying that you would be confident in God's activity in your life. I've been praying that you would be sure of your salvation. I've been praying that you would be closer to Jesus in this season than any other season of your life. And I have been praying that you would keep eternity in focus during this season in which we find ourselves as a culture. But as we transition out of this first section of Philippians chapter 1, I want to share with you today four more prayers that I've been praying for you specifically by name this week if you're part of the Living Hope Columbus family. Four more prayers found in verses 9, 10, and 11. Here in Philippians 1, Paul is still in a jail cell. He hasn't seen the Philippian church in approximately 10 years since Acts chapter 16. Verse 8, he talks about how deeply he misses this church, how he longs to be with them, united in the fellowship that is the local church. And out of that desire to be with them, Paul really gives us these eight prayers here in this first section of Philippians chapter 1. Now, hear me. The first four prayers that we talked about last week, those are all born out of a relationship with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, those prayers don't work for you because they're born out of a relationship with Christ. These second four prayers that I'm going to share with you today that I've been praying for you, these are born from time spent in the Word of God. If you're not spending time in God's Word during this season in which we find ourselves, then the prayers I'm praying for you right now are going to fall on dry soil. They just won't work. If you get in the Word, though, and you begin to consume the Word and meditate on the Word and apply the Word... These prayers are going to do something amazing in your life. I promise. Because Jesus promises this from Philippians 1. Friends, understand this. When Christians separate themselves from this book on a regular basis, you leave yourself vulnerable and open to the attacks of the enemy. And we're going to see today, and the reason I'm praying for you so much, I'm praying you engage this book because I believe Jesus can do something special in your life if you do. Four prayers I'm praying for you. Let's walk through these quickly. Prayer number one is this. I've been praying that your love for the local church would keep on growing. I've been praying that your love for the local church would keep on growing. Look at verse number nine. Paul says, I pray this. This is his prayer. 
that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. Paul's words here in in verse 9 are a continuation of verse 6, which we saw last week. He's continuing this prayer for the Philippian church. Verses 7 and 8, we read them at the end of the message last week. Paul sharing his affection for this local church. Then verse 9, he's picking up this prayer again. And what does he say? I want your love to keep growing. That's the Greek word there. Maybe you're familiar with this term, agape. It's not a brotherly love. It's not a romantic love. This is a sacrificial love that Paul is talking about. Placing the needs of other people above your own at all occasions. You see, the implication here that we see here in Philippians 1 verse 9 is this. That Paul is referring to the love that one Christian has for another Christian because they're part of an organization called the local church. But Paul makes it abundantly clear in verse 9 that the love that they have for each other flows from their consumption and interaction with the Scriptures. As their knowledge grew and then their application or discernment from the Scriptures grew That would flow into every other area of their life. Why does that matter to you and I today? Did you know that the entirety of the New Testament, from Matthew to Revelation, deals with the Christian life flowing into one of two areas, your love for God or your love for other people? That's it. Jesus summed it up in the great commandment, love God, love people, Matthew 22. That's the entirety of what the scriptures teach. Now think about this. Let's like make this super applicable as we're in the word and we're trying to apply the word. And how does that overflow to my love for other people? Did you know in the New Testament, there are 100 different phrases where we're commanded to do something to one another. 100 times the scripture says that in 96 different verses. One third of those commands, so love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, uh, uh, care for one another. We We could go on and on there. One-third of those 100 commands deal with the interaction that one Christian is supposed to have with another Christian in the context of a church community. Do you know that? That means that when I I read the Scriptures, that I'm going to come across things where I'm supposed to love other Christians. But do you know that it's kind of hard sometimes to love people from a distance? That a lot of those commands are going to function best in proximity to one another? You know, almost every single book in the New Testament is written to a local church gathered body of believers. Friends, think about this. And here's here's what I, I want us to see here as we talk about our love for one another growing as we are consuming and applying the scriptures. I'm praying during this season that as you're reading the Bible, that you're thinking to yourself, there's some things in here that I can't do right now because I'm not in the context and proximity of other Christians in the local church. And I'm praying that when you get to those passages and you're you're reading, man, I need to serve one another. But that's kind of hard to do right now. I'm praying that that forms this holy discontentment in you where you begin to beg Jesus to reunite his church, where you begin to beg God to form his church once again. Now listen, we're working towards gathering again, and there's plans that are being put in place that we're going to begin to share over these next couple of weeks. But I'm praying as you read the scriptures that your love, anticipation, and desire to gather with the church would grow exponentially during this season. Can I be honest with you? I think eight weeks ago, we had all taken for granted what we had in gathering with the local church body. And Jesus is reminding us in this season, the gift that we have. And I'm praying when he allows us to return, 
that it would no longer be just part of my week, it would be the highlight of my week from now on. That when I gather with the local church, I look forward to that every single Sunday, not out of obligation, but out of opportunity. And it becomes something I just can't live without because I see it so clearly in the scriptures. Here's my second prayer for you. I've been praying that your mind would be enveloped by Jesus. I've been praying that your mind would be enveloped by Jesus. Look at this next part of verse 10. Paul says, so that you're, you may approve the things that are superior. There's a simple principle presented here in verse 10 by Paul. As you consume the scriptures, verse 9, how you perceive the world and how you engage the world is going to change. It's called your worldview. Everybody has a worldview that's informed by something. Some people, your worldview has been shaped by where you grew up. For some people, it's where you received education. Sometimes our worldview is found by where we consume our media. Everybody's worldview is shaped by something. And what Paul is praying for this local church is that their worldview would be shaped by the scriptures in verse 9. He wants them to have what's known as a biblical worldview, and then that informs the rest of their life. Now, track with me for a moment. This is so important. Track with me here. The word approve that Paul uses in the beginning of verse 10 means to recognize things that are genuine. It's this idea that as I consume the scriptures and my mind is being renewed, Romans chapter 12, that I'm learning to sift through cheap imitations and, and actually engage with things that are real that help me find fulfillment and satisfaction and meaning and purpose in this life. Cheap imitations go over here. The real thing is what I need as a follower of Jesus. Let me give you an example. Two weeks ago, my wife sent me to the grocery store. When she sent me, I was hungry. That's bad. I got to aisle 11 of Meyer, went down, and I saw the holy grail of all things, the Pop-Tart section. I love Pop-Tarts. And I went and I was going to buy me a box of Pop-Tarts because I was hungry. And when you're hungry at the grocery store, you make bad decisions. I'm preaching right now. And I look over and there were Pop-Tarts there, but then there was the Meyer brand, the, the cheap imitation there, and they were 50 cents less. I'm always about a good bargain. So rather than buy Pop-Tarts, I bought toaster pastries. Big regret, folks. I got home that night, I put my toaster pastries on a plate. One thing I like to do, and you can judge me, I can take it. I like to put Pop-Tarts on a plate and slather them in butter, and then pop those dudes in the microwave for 45 seconds, and in Jesus' name, eat them. Like, it's amazing. That's my favorite part of the week. But I bought toaster pastries, and I'm here to tell you this, that a toaster pastry, not a Pop-Tart, slathered in butter, put in the microwave, literally tastes like warm, moist cardboard with chocolate on top. Like, they were disgusting. I threw them away. They were so bad, I just threw them away. What's the point? Cheap imitations are not ever as satisfying as the real thing. What does this matter for us today? Why is this prayer so important for us today? Lean into this one, folks. In crisis, which right now in some capacity we are all facing crisis, whether you realize it or not, the world around you has changed and you're processing that. We're all in the midst of crisis in some capacity right now. And in the midst of crisis, what happens? We become vulnerable. In the midst of crisis, we become vulnerable. And in vulnerability, what happens? We're always seeking satisfaction somewhere. But in vulnerability, we're willing to give ourselves over to cheap imitations that are not satisfying and that are not fulfilling. As things around us change and the winds of change blow and the winds of crisis are moving around us, we will cling to something. 
But when you're vulnerable, you're more willing to attach yourself to cheap imitations. Friends, listen, right now, all of us, we're vulnerable physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It means if we're not cautious in the midst of crisis and in the midst of our vulnerability, we will begin to seek to fulfill our physical desires in places that we never should. We'll seek to fulfill emotional voids that we have in our lives in places that we never should. And even in a spiritual sense, we can get sucked down wormholes of spiritual junk food constantly. Listen to me. Just because something's on the internet and somebody says it's from the Bible doesn't mean it is and doesn't mean it's healthy for you spiritually. Be on guard in your spiritual walk. Why? Because we're vulnerable during this season. What's Paul say here in verse 10? He's saying that they'll approve what? Things that are superior. Literally that phrase means right there, you're determining in your life what things are worth you carrying through life. You're determining what things are worth carrying. Hear me, my goodness. In vulnerable crisis moments in our lives, don't make instant decisions that have lifetime ramifications. Hear that today. Don't make instant decisions that have lifetime ramifications because crisis opens us up to that. Think of this. When Paul says there that you may approve or determine what things are worth you carrying through this life. Hear this. Every decision that you make ultimately becomes part of your story, doesn't it? Who you, am, who you are today, who I am today, is a summation of 32 years of decisions that I've made. Good ones and bad ones, who I have become is a summation of my decisions. I'm a collection of choices up to this point. Now, during crisis, we're going to make decisions. Some are going to be good, some are going to be bad. But hear me, every decision either becomes a badge of honor or a scar of regret in your life. And in crisis, when you're vulnerable, when we're vulnerable during these kind of seasons, I have to ask myself, is my worldview being shaped by Jesus so that I approve things that are superior, I determine what is worth carrying, or have I neglected the word of God and I'm running to cheap imitations all over the place? Friends, we're open to that right now. And I'm sure many of us right now, we're thinking of places where we have added scars to our lives that now we have to carry. But hear me. Saturate yourself in the word. Envelop yourself with Jesus. Get a biblical worldview and let that inform every decision you make. I'm praying that you would do that during this season. Here's the third one. I'm praying you maintain your integrity and your testimony. This one ties back to the first part of verse 10, but let's link them together. Paul goes on to say in verse 10, that, and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. It's interesting, in the last part of this verse, Paul presses the fast forward button on these people. And Paul says here in this prayer that when Jesus returns, we talked about that last week, the, the day of Christ, he wants them to have lived in such a way that when Jesus returns that they are pure and blameless. This is so important. What I've been praying for you this season is that you would not lose your integrity or your testimony during what we are going on, what is going on for us as a nation. That's what it means to be pure and blameless. Let me explain this a little bit more. Pure is a word. That simply means this. It means what is exposed when the sunlight is shown upon it. What is exposed when the sunlight is shown upon it. It's like turning on the light in a dark room. Everything that was hidden is now uncovered. Getting to the core of who you are, putting your life under a microscope. That's, that's, that's what Paul's talking about here with purity. But here's the, te the tension. Purity, integrity, these are kind of interchangeable here in verse 10. Here's the tension that we have as Christians. We have who we allow people to think we are. And then what do we do? 
we have who we, we really are. And often, if, if we're not cautious, there's a gap between the two. Who I really am and who I pretend to be are not the same thing. It depends on the group of people that I'm around at a certain season of life. And here's what happens. In crisis, in vulnerability, the light is shown, the the, the light of crisis is shown on those. And what's revealed? The gap between the two. And Paul's praying for this church and he says, I pray when that, that light is shown upon you, when people see you for who you really are, that your purity is made known because you're not hiding anything. Your integrity is in intact. Pastor Joe has phrased it to me this week, these last few weeks, that, that life is kind of squeezing us right now. And as it's squeezing us, who I really am is going to come out. Can I encourage you in this this week? Stay so close to Jesus and in his presence that when the lights turn on, there's nothing in your life to expose during this season. Keep your integrity. That's what it means to be pure. Paul also wants them, he's praying for them to stay blameless. That's how people perceive me. This is my testimony. This is my testimony that Paul's talking about. In the New Testament, it's only used three times in the entire New Testament. And it's a word that references a smooth road, traveling on a smooth road. Now, we all live in Ohio. Smooth roads, we don't know what those are. We've got to go out of state to find one of those things, especially in winter in Ohio. ODOT, if you're listening, you're welcome. All right? We get this here. We don't, we don't know what smooth roads are. But listen to this. Think of it this way. When you're driving down the highway, you're driving down a back road, which kind of road do you prefer to drive on? You want to drive on a road that's smooth so you can just sit back and relax and enjoy the nice weather. It's summertime, not winter in Ohio. You enjoy the nice weather, man, you're just cruising. Or do you prefer to drive on a road that's full of potholes that you're dodging, dipping, you're hitting all these bumps, and it's just a terrible experience? Well, we enjoy smooth roads, and we hate roads covered in potholes. So what's Paul talking about here? Friends, are you the kind of person that's blameless, that people enjoy being around you? You're a smooth road that they want to be near. Or are you the kind of person that people dread being around? Listen, crisis exposes that in you because your true colors are going to come out when life squeezes you. Here's the second way that this word word here can be perceived, this word blameless. It means that nobody has anything to strike against you. There's nothing to strike against in your life. It means I live in such a way that nobody can bring an accusation against me because I'm simply overflowing with Jesus. Friends, hear this. This is so important today. Did you know blamelessness or a good testimony takes a lifetime to build but can be lost in a moment? All it takes is one careless word, one careless action, one careless reaction, or one careless inaction, and instantly Your testimony can be lost. Your blamelessness can go down the tubes. It's why during this season, when life is pressing down on us, things are getting more and more tense. As leaders, we have to make such important decisions. What's the three C's? Be calm, cool, and calculated in everything that you do. Maintain your testimony so that when we come out on the other side of this, nobody has an accusation to bring against us where they can say, you didn't care. You didn't act properly. You didn't live out your Christianity that you claimed to believe. I'm praying that's true in your life and my life this season. Here's my fourth prayer and we're done. I've been praying that when we come out of this, that people see Jesus in your life more than they ever have before. Look at verse 11. 
that you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. As Paul ends this first section of Philippians 1 that we're we're now closing in on, I love this final prayer because Paul is praying this so intentionally and I've been praying this so intentionally for you as well. That on the other side of this crisis we're in as a nation, this pandemic that we're in as a nation, that you overflow with Jesus more than you ever have before. That word filled in my Bible translation, I feel, is such like a bland word. It's like mashed potatoes without salt and without pepper and butter. It's just like bland. It's like, eh, filled, whatever. That word, I think a better translation is that some Bibles may use, it's the word abound. Think of it this way. Paul says, I pray that you may abound with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. It's this idea of being completely overflowing with something, pouring out so much you can't stop it. That's just coming out and it's coming out and it's coming out and it just can't be contained. What's pouring out of me? Jesus. The fruit of knowing Jesus. It's the love of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the peace of Jesus. The righteousness of Jesus, the self-control of Jesus, the patienceness of Jesus, the gentleness of Jesus pouring out of me. Where does it come from? Well, the Son of God is found in the Word of God. So as I'm in the Word of God, the Son of God is going to come out of me. I've been praying Acts 4.13 over you in reference to Peter and John when they say they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they knew they had been with Jesus. Every one of us has been thrown into a forced pause this season in some capacity. Where Jesus has put us in a forced Sabbath in some way, shape, or form. We're valuing some things more, some things less. We're seeing what's important in life. But I'm praying that in this last eight weeks, that you have drawn so close to Jesus, that when we see each other again, that we walk away from that interaction, and I think to myself, my goodness, I can tell they've been with Jesus. I'm praying that when you leave interactions with me, that you think to yourself, my goodness, I can tell he's been with Jesus. I'm praying that so intentionally over you. Friends, as we close, I want to sound like a broken record. And the broken record says this, I miss you. Pastor Joe misses you. Nikki misses you. My goodness, we miss this church. But as I got to the end of verse 11 this week, I read verse 12, and I want to read this as something. This is me as your pastor saying this to you. I'm going to change a little bit of it, but I want you to hear this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to us has resulted in the advance of the gospel. You know that we are reaching more people than ever as a church right now. We have people tuning in from multiple states right now. We are engaging people in the community that we never have before right now. Y'all are sharing your faith with more people than we ever have right now. Don't ever let us think that Jesus has wasted this moment. He hasn't. Let's let him do a work in us. Let's let Jesus do something in us that will result in something happening through us so that when we gather again, we are ready to push back lostness in Columbus, Ohio and help people find and follow Jesus. Pastor John, I'm about to preach. My goodness, he's in the back of the room and I might have to just throw this pulpit. Friends, I want you to know something. We've been praying for you. Jesus is good. And we're going to come out on the other side of this, I promise you, stronger than we've ever been before.
Let me pray for us. Father, thanks again for your word and Jesus for the privilege we have. God, to hear your word, to sing your word, to study your word, to be in community together. And Jesus, I pray now, Lord, as we continue to sing, Father, as we continue to worship you through song, God, continue to be in our midst, whether we're in a living room, a car, whether we're standing in our kitchen or whether we're here or on campus, Jesus, be in our midst right now. Father, we know everything we're going through has not caught you off guard, Jesus. You've not been surprised by anything. God, you promised in Matthew 16 you're going to build your church, and we're standing on that promise. Jesus, keep us strong, keep us close, keep us clean, so that we can be mobilized like never before to impact lostness in the city in which you've called us to. Jesus, you're so good to us. I pray that you hear our worship now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray these things.